Hi, you've tuned in to the Lovely Travels podcast where we talk about all things travel and adventure. My name is Emma Lovell, also known as Lovely, and I have a mission to visit every UN-recognised country in the world while raising awareness for mental health. Join me as we revisit some of my past adventures, speak to fellow travellers and interesting locals, all while following the journey to 195 countries. I'll be joined soon by my co-pilot, Darius, in Germany. And sometimes we're even going to hit the road together. Make sure to join in the adventure by following me on Instagram, Lovely Travels. You can also join our Facebook group, Lovely Travels Community, and learn more about us at the website, lovelytravels.com. But for now, it's listening time. Travel vicariously along with us. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Lovely Travels podcast. Emma, what is in store today? Well, I'm a bit of a fangirl and very excited for this one because it's all about tiny house living. Hooray! Yeah. I What's watched, that? <laughs> yeah. I watched a show last year um, called Tiny House Nation on Netflix. Uh, there are plenty of other shows about tiny houses, but that one really took my attention and I actually don't like Renault shows and like home improvements, but this has been one of my favorite kind of makeover shows. So tiny houses are like literally tiny houses, but some people say, well, I have a tiny house. It's like, no, they kind of fit a certain style and, you know, certain dimensions actually. And the the goal is to live more sustainably and to um, that we don't need such big homes and that, you don't need so much stuff and that you can live in, you can have a big life but live in a tiny way. So, I see. I see. Yeah. Um, I, I like the space, to be honest. But I think if you have your tiny house in a nice spot, then you don't need space. Well, that's it. And that's what our guest has done and explains, yeah, there's, well, there's a number of, people have different reasons for tiny houses. Some people think it's just like, you know, a cost of a normal house might be, you know, 500000 You might be able to get one for fifty to 70000 you know. So right. you don't have a mortgage. But, you know, there's there are other considerations in terms of where, where does the tiny house stay? Like, you know, you, do, you might need some land to put it on. Like we go into all of that in the episode. But, okay. yeah, there's, there's definitely more considerations to it. And, um yeah, it's just really interesting and, and they've gone through the whole process from like, you know, yeah, coming up with the idea, the reason for doing it, downsizing and then finding out how to build it and constructing it and then putting it somewhere and then, you know, living living in it and, uh, you know, how long do you want to live in it for? What's the like plan and, and that sort of thing. So I just I was absolutely fascinated. Hmm. Yeah, and of course we have our uh, resident tiny house expert on the show, Yvonne Flieger. Um, who is a dual Australian German citizen, much like myself. Um, And she's been calling Australia home since 2007. Um, Lives on the sunny coast in Queensland in a tiny house on wheels that they fitted themselves with her her partner or husband, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She's very passionate about sustainable living, growing her own food, and enjoying everything nature has to offer. She works... uh, for herself as a marketing consultant, um, yeah. which gives her the opportunity to decide what to do with her time. Yeah. Uh, it sounds, um, she sounds pretty cool. She's very cool. We met at a networking event and um, 
I don't know if the uh, tiny house thing came up then, but she was the sustainable um, sort of and working with organizations that have a purpose and care and that really struck a chord with me. And then she was actually doing mm. some pet sitting and I used to run a pet sitting business. So we sort of connected mm. on that and then then she, you know, told me about these plans for a tiny house. So, yeah, I'm just – a little bit, a lot of synergy, and uh, and then of course she's German. I think it's just, we keep attracting like people with some sort of German connection, so which is kind of fun. Um, yeah, and it's just been really nice to follow her journey. And and on Instagram, you know, Sustainability Queen, you can follow Yvonne. All of her links are in the the show notes. But um, yeah, go and follow her, and you can see go back and see you know, the development of, of this tiny house and, and how they're making it work now. And it's it's just, it's truly interesting and it's it's really kind of been a, a bit of a craze or a bit of a, a movement, the tiny house movement. Sure. Sure. And it's something that Matthew and I would like to do in the future, not as our um, primary dwelling, but like have buying a property that we're able to have the second dwelling um, and having a tiny house there um, to have guests or Airbnb or to get away from each other. <laughs> uh, you know, there's so many reasons. There's so many reasons, you know. This hashtag, hashtag life goals. So, um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, well, well great. Let's let's uh, hear what Yvonne has to say about her fascinating journey. I keep saying fascinating. I'm seriously, I'm a, I'm a fangirl. Sounds like, like really, you're fascinated. I really loved this topic and I'm really excited to share it and uh, would love to hear from people if they have also done it or um, are interested. In, and I know people have stayed in them now as well. It's quite a popular like Airbnb, um, people who have tiny houses uh, renting them out or, you know, making them accommodation stay so that people can have unique experiences in in beautiful places yeah nice one all right let's get into it thank you emma and thank you yvonne hi yvonne welcome to the lovely travels podcast hi emma thank you so much for having me it's exciting yeah i am so excited for this episode because uh as i've told you a hundred times and i follow your account i am obsessed with tiny houses and i can't believe that you actually did it uh but before we get into that and i'll hold my horses uh i want to ask you who you are and how we know each other sure so my name is yvonne (laughs) i'm super passionate about sustainable living um, and in a way, making this world a better place. <laughs> so I've been on a journey towards zero waste um, since 2014. Um, I quit my corporate job in 2019, left Sydney with my partner, and we moved up to sunny Queensland. Um, and I now work with small to medium-sized organizations who want to improve our planet's health um, and, and or those who have a social cause that's really close to their hearts. Um, and I'm helping them with um, digital marketing and advertising. And as you said, I live in a tiny house on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And you recently moved it, so we'll definitely get to that. That's pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. And But, uh, you know, I think our listeners can hear uh, you have a bit of an accent. So where are you from originally? <laughs> yeah, I do have a bit of an accent, um, even after 14 years in Australia. Can't deny it. <laughs> I'm from Germany originally, as your lovely colleague Darius. <laughs> um, I grew up in, yeah, relatively close to Munich in Bavaria. Um, I've been to the Oktoberfest as well. I'm not <laughs> sure if we're going to talk about that or not. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Germany. Um, and then, yeah, about 14 years, we decided to move to Australia. 
Amazing. Yes, I always ask, uh, can you just send Darius a little message and then he will reply. I will have no idea what you're talking about, but uh, I can pick up bits. Little, I expect I'm bis in Deutsch, but uh, hmm. please leave a message for Darius and he will respond. Hallo Darius, viele Grüße nach Deutschland. Um, yeah, liebe Grüße aus Queensland. <laughs> That wasn't the best message, but <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Hallo Yvonne und äh, vielen Dank für die Grüße und liebe Grüße zurück aus dem sonnigen Deutschland. Bin total gespannt auf, dein, äh, auf deine Folge mit dem Tiny House und ähm, freue mich, dass du dabei warst. Fun, it's fun. It's, it's surprising how many uh, guests we've had. We had a really fun one on our, um, uh, our one-year-episode where you know, someone who we didn't think, we didn't expect to leave a German message. She's um, Amanda from Thoughtful Travel Podcast. She actually, uh, yeah, speaks German fluently. So she's left okay. a little message and we were both like, wow. So now it's my, it's my fun little game. We've actually had quite a few people on here who spreche sie Deutsch. So now. Yeah, your German is pretty good as well. We tried that before, didn't we? <laughs> Danke. I need to just practice more and uh, visit more. That, that will be in the future. So uh, Duolingo it is for now. So <laughs> you are living currently on the Sunshine Coast and you live in a tiny house. So tell me about, like, how did that come to be? <laughs> yes, we live um, yeah, on the beautiful sunny coast on the northern end in relatively close to Noosa. We're in a semi-rural area. Um, which is absolutely beautiful. Actually, the property we're on um, is a large acreage and we're surrounded by bushland, by trees. We've got big kangaroos visiting us, um, all kinds of birds chirping around and flying around. It's, it's actually, it's, it's a bit like paradise. We're rural. It feels very rural, but we're still only 20 minutes away from the beach. So perfect, perfect spot for it. It's so stunning. And yeah, you, so you built the tiny house first and then you had to move it you had to find a place to move it and mm -hmm. i know uh that you had you were doing a lot of exploration of you know even from northern new south wales up to the sunshine mm. coast so what were the the challenges with i guess you know first you built it and then finding the place to put it <laughs> yeah um that's actually probably one of the more more difficult things when you're building a tiny house <laughs> is actually finding the right and good spot to put it on. Um, yeah, we were initially we weren't sure where we really want to move. We used to live in Sydney. We love the beaches. Um, we moved to Brisbane um, and kind of took that as a starting point to figure out do we want to move up to the sunny coast or down towards the southern end of the Gold Coast or northern rivers. Um, we love all areas and we've never lived there. It was always going on holiday. So it's mm. a very different experience, right, than if you're actually living there. Um, and that's also how we connected, right? Because I was so keen to get to know people on the Gold Coast. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really lovely through the Business Chicks event. Um, they were connected there. Um, I guess in the end, it was, it came down to COVID, lockdowns, et cetera, um, because we were in the northern end of Brisbane, northern side. It was a lot easier to get to the sunny coast. And the builder we found is actually based on the sunny coast. So we were up here a fair bit. Um, Yeah, and, and honestly, looking back, I'm very happy we are up here. Um, it's, it's beautiful. It's probably less, not, in a way, less populated and less busy than parts of the Gold Coast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Parts of northern New South Wales as well. Um, but still, we've got everything up here. So I really love it up here. 
And some of the challenges I understand is like, because I think what people think is when you have a tiny house that you can just be like, just plonk it anywhere. But there's some quite strict restrictions in some of the councils and regions on, Mm. it's like water and then, you know, are you paying rent? Like what's the land capacity? Like can you tell me a little bit about that sort of process? Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people who want to live in a tiny house don't necessarily think about at the beginning because you're just not aware. You don't really know the regulations and it takes some time for you to get your head around. And every council is different and it depends a bit on what type of tiny house you build. So ours is like a classic tiny house on wheels. So it's in theory, it's movable. (laughs) Um, But because it has wheels, it counts as a caravan under most council guidelines. And there's often restrictions around how long you're actually allowed to live in a caravan. Um, So often it's only two or three months per year that you're actually officially allowed to live in it. Um, And then what happens with the grey water? What happens? Do you need power? Do you have your own power, et cetera? Um, And it's it's very different by council. It's very different by state. Um, And to be honest, a lot of tiny house owners go a bit under the radar. Mm. thing is as long as you find a piece of land where the owners are happy to put you on you have a mutual agreement in place um, as long as the neighbors don't complain no one really minds and no one really has an issue with that and um, yeah it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag so um, yeah on one hand side, we've been really lucky um, we found um, the piece of land via one of those tiny house Facebook groups um, we, lit, we thought we start just with putting out a post like hey we're looking this is who we are this is what we're currently doing um would anyone be interested in having us on the land and i was really impressed how many responses came back and that was literally from northern rivers all the way up to gimpy mm. um and people really interested and then we started talking to a few um and in the end where we are now it just we just hit it off straight away um the land we're on the owners are also from the northern beaches they grew up there so we've lived in sydney for a long time um, with similar age um, and it was just like yeah I think that can work and they have so much land they're not using um, and we're yeah all the way in the back surrounded by bushland they can't see us we can't see them but if we want to engage it's very easy to do but we're like almost into separate worlds yeah mm-hmm. so you mentioned grey water before what is what's that Oh, grey water is basically all the water you use, like water that comes um, through your sink, um, shower water, washing machine water. Um, and also there, there's a lot of regulations around it, um, especially because we're here in a semi-rural area. Um, each house has to have their own septic tank because there's no canalisation in, in, the, in the cities. Um, and with a tiny house, um, because it's movable, you have to figure out your own solutions of, on how to deal with that. Um, and one big thing is really we're only using chemical-free, very natural cleaning products, so not to harm anything, even if it yeah, drips off somewhere <laughs> where it shouldn't go. It's still just water with yeah. some natural cleaning ingredients like baking soda, a bit of vinegar here and there, or yeah, just, just anything that's natural. Um, we're not using any chemicals in here, like no bleach or a horrible cleaning product. So from that perspective, we're very, yeah, yeah, in, in with nature in a way. Because, <laughs> look, I think um, if people are like me, they might have seen the Netflix show Tiny House Nation, uh, which yeah. is set in the US, and it 
very much. I think I'm not really into home improvement shows. It's mm-hmm. by far my favorite ever home improvement <laughs> show. Uh, my husband and I, we loved it. Just watching it, like amazing what they can do with the space. I think, I think um, you know, they had a huge team. So some of the builds and some of the things they did were pretty spectacular. Mm. Maybe not possible for everyone, but you do get very creative. But then, you know, oh, after, after that, you know, looking into it, it's like, well, you know, what's the cost of a tiny house? And I think some people probably miss, uh, you know, the base cost, and I'm not going to ask you how much it costs, the base <laughs> cost was I've seen is like 35000 And you're like, cool, I could buy a house. You know, houses cost, you know, in a, in a regional area maybe 300000 plus. Mm. Uh, in a city you're talking about 800000 So you're like, woohoo, 30000 But that's like the basic. Mm. So you've got to build it like fix it out and then you know if you want to go sustainable like you then you're looking at or not even with sustainability you're looking at electricity water mm. maybe paying rent for land use yeah uh so that's sort of like what are the other costs that people really should think about when you know if they were to go down the tiny house road um yeah i mean it, it all comes down to the build how much you're actually willing to do yourself um like in theory in theory if you do everything yourself you only use recycled materials if you can find them you probably can start with a basic version around ten thousand dollars in australia okay. very basic right that's really you're doing it yourself you're probably spending weeks and weeks and months on it um but builders usually don't even start under fifty thousand dollars even just for the shell yeah. Um, like outer cladding and everything. Um, yeah, so it really depends. I think because that's a US-based show as well, things are very different in the US, also in terms of the size, like a lot of the houses in that show are a lot bigger than what is actually allowed in Australia. Yes. In a way, it depends. Like if it's on wheels, you have to stick to the road regulations. So it can only be 2 meters 50 wide. Um, it can only be 4 meters, 4 meters 40 high, which is like truck height basically because otherwise it can't be pulled on the road it has to be under four and a half tons in terms of weight so there's all these restrictions so the longer you go you can basically make it as long as you want but the weight just increases and at some point you can't legally tow it anymore which means it has to go on a truck and that's a lot more expensive to move and like all these things to consider um, but generally, yeah, in terms of cost, like it's the build cost, the material cost. Um, I think we were really lucky last year because we did it. We started the build right after the first lockdown. So mm-hmm. in, in we found the builder in May. He started, yeah, in June, July. Um, and at that time, I think it was still, material was still available. Whereas now this year, um, timber has become so much more expensive so the general basic cost is going up and if you're Mm -hmm. trying to use recycled timber there's not a lot of options really um and then yeah as you said if you're going off grid you have to factor in the solar system and a good solar setup is not cheap because you need good batteries um, and we're fully off grid so we've got a full solar setup we've got our battery system We've got water tanks collecting rainwater and we've got a composting toilet. But yeah, the solar system alone will probably set you back for a 10K. Yeah. <laughs> but that also makes you fully self-sufficient. That's a good thing. Like even if it's overcast for, for a few days, our batteries are still charging during the day and we haven't had any issues whatsoever so far. And it's not a big setup. We've got, how much do we have? Um, good question. I should probably know. I think <laughs> 2.2 kilowatt hours solar panels um, and a five kilowatt battery. 
Yeah. I think. Yeah. But it works. It works a lot better than I would have thought. Because we're yeah. using a conventional oven, a conventional electric oven, conventional fridge. It's a bit smaller, the fridge, but mm. still we're running regular appliances, um, charging our laptops, etc. And yeah, we've got, we're actually producing too much power during the day that we're not using. Oh, wow. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I know it's not connected at all, but you're, you know, you sound great and the internet, you know, I know that's, I mean, that's not, mm. it's just location based, but, um, yeah. you know, it, it seems like everything's running really well. So that's awesome. And, mm-hmm. you know, how have you found, how was the process of, and this is a big thing that they tapped on the show as well, was the getting rid of stuff? <laughs> and like, <laughs> do you have all of your stuff or have you got some things in storage? There are still some things in storage. So because we only moved from Sydney about two years yeah, before now, we got rid of a fair few things. Um, but we still had regular furniture, like a sofa, bed, etc. So we sold a few things um, when we moved into the tiny, but then there's still a few things. Like I've got really beautiful chairs that used to be my grandma's, like the original vintage 50s, 1950 chairs. I'm not going to give them away, but there's currently no space. We can't really use them. Um, so, yeah, there's still a fair few things in storage. Probably the hardest for me is clothing. Yeah. <laughs> Wardrobe. Um my wardrobe, the size of my wardrobe is an IKEA kids wardrobe because it <laughs> fits perfectly underneath the staircase. <laughs> um, it was pink. I painted it, but it's still <laughs> slightly shiny pink. Um, but yeah, you have to figure out really what do you need? What can you just not part with? And it's absolutely fine to keep the things you really love. Um, but also, I never did it really. I never had a winter wardrobe and a summer wardrobe, but I kind of have to do that now because I just don't have enough space with the house. Um, But it's fine. Um, In the end, there wasn't that much we gave away or sold off, um, apart from like bigger furniture pieces. Mm. Um, But yeah, I still, we still want to keep a few things. So then storage at a friend's place, (laughs) which is nice. Well, you know, we're touching then on my second favourite, uh, I guess, home show on Netflix, which was Marie Kondo. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, do it, you know, going through that process. And it, do you think, um, tapping into stereotypes here, but do you think that your German heritage uh, and the efficiency has helped you with that, that process? Um, not, I don't know. Um, I'm not as German anymore as I was. <laughs> I've just been here for too long. So I'm a lot more relaxed and actually probably less structured than it used to be. <laughs> There's something so interesting in Germany. And like you're saying, IKEA is like in Europe, you know, there is a lot smaller living in, in across Europe. People live in smaller spaces. So that yeah. IKEA style, and even I was there the other day and it's something that I hadn't thought of. It's like using, um, you know, the wall space and mm. using like above um you know above your head I had a thought of that and I feel like um you know even having visited friends in you know in Germany like they use the walls a lot better um storage <laughs> is better and then there's that strange well strange to us normal there but that you take your kitchen with you oh yeah that's that's a horrible thing actually but yeah yeah <laughs> but like it's nice that you get to choose you have your kitchen the way you want but also like so crazy that you have to install a kitchen so uh i don't know did any of that help you with this oh just just going back to the kitchen that's a nightmare because (laughs) i i I used i worked in munich for four years before 
we decided to move here and that apartment didn't have a kitchen. So I had to buy a kitchen and a kitchen is not cheap. And there was a small space. So it was really tightly fitted and perfect for that space. So it, it couldn't have moved anywhere else. So in the end, I lost so much money because the lady who took over the apartment was like, oh, I don't really like the doors. I don't like that. So I'm not willing to pay you that much. But it was a new kitchen. It was in there for less than four years. Um, so yeah, it's not not the best way in Germany. So I prefer it here, although you're often dealing with old appliances and everything. But, yeah. but yeah. maybe that gives Sorry. some practice <laughs> for how to, you know, because I, 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 it's really mm. the thing I, that stuck out the most for me was your kitchen and you did some really funky things, including mm. the door you made. Yeah, yeah. So most of the furniture, so we've used as much as we could of the furniture we had. Like I've got a really beautiful Indian cupboard, which now is actually um, separates the loft, the bed loft where I'm actually sitting in while we're having this um, from, from the rest of the house. Um, so we, we've kind of been repurposing things we had. And the kitchen we bought secondhand. So it's actually a really old kitchen, old kitchen cupboards, probably from the 19, early 80s, but in really good condition. But it was a pink gray kitchen, <laughs> which... Bit weird, but the condition was so good. So we decided, okay, we'll just paint it differently. It's now a beautiful turquoise. Um, and then because the doors were relatively heavy, we thought we cut out um, a shape um, and that now has a, a coffee bag background. Yes. And then also we've got stools. We've got two beautiful wooden stools for $20 um, and basically upholstered them, also using those coffee sex um so it, it's all kind of aligning and it has yeah a similar color palette across the house a bit of turquoise greenish um and a bit rustic as well we, we, we have a lot of wood in the house so yeah. our kitchen bench tops are beautiful timber that my partner um yeah worked on so we got them off a mill um yeah. close to brisbane but then my partner prepared it it has this beautiful live life edge as well oh, wow. um, a bit organic it's not just square but it has these beautiful rounded corners so um oh i love the kitchen and the kitchen bench is also my office space at the same time yeah so that's that's the thing as you were saying before like in germany europe but even in tiny houses you have to use the space in a much smarter way because you have very limited space so you've got walls and we're actually not using them as well as we could. So there's there's still a lot going on in the house and we're still optimizing. Um, but there's inbuilt storage everywhere. And like our staircase is all storage. The, each individual step is either a drawer or a, a small cupboard. Um, yeah, and you're just trying to use as much of the space you have in a, in a smart way without it looking cluttered or, or like there's just too much hanging or standing around, um, but really trying to make use of every single corner and look that's yeah it's so it's so impressive and uh yeah you have to, you do have to be organized though don't you to remember where everything is and yeah yeah <laughs> have places because you don't want to be you can't go forasking around and shoving things like you kind of and you kind of have to live a bit tidy don't you because otherwise i'm sure the clutter would could build up pretty mm. quickly <laughs> so yeah you want to tidy up relatively quickly because yeah you have limited space limited surfaces so yeah, after breakfast, everything gets washed up and, and put away and then everything's clean and, and good to go for the rest of the day. Yeah, that's true. I love it. <laughs> and you have to remember where things are. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, what are the pros so far of living tiny? 
Um, highlights yeah oh it's been honestly it's been really good and I think really easy for us as well probably easier than we both would have thought I'm living in it with my partner no kids no pets at the moment hopefully a dog at some point Um, but it's actually been a lot easier Um, and it was just that move from yeah like living in a rented apartment or house you've got power supply everything unlimited to moving into a fully off-grid space we thought oh that probably will will take us a while to get used to that but now it's been really easy because we've got this really good solar setup um, we haven't had any issues with power we haven't needed any backup so far um, water was a bit of a challenge at the beginning because it was really dry last year when we moved in and it mm. took us a while to fill the tanks but then the main house has a 65,000 litre tank, which is always full. So we, we could get some water from there. Um, I think, yeah, biggest pros is really for us, it's being closer to nature. We're spending a lot more time outside. Um, we've got a nice deck um, and that's usually my working space Yeah, basically throughout the year. So I'm outside a lot more. My partner does helps on the property. Um, so he's outdoors a lot more. I love growing fruit and veg. Um, so, yeah, we've been doing a fair bit of gardening, looking at permaculture principles and a bit of some tropic farming and dabbling around with that. Um, so that, that's been absolutely amazing. And it's really, it's a much smaller footprint in every sense from a carbon perspective, obviously, because we're using solar, um, we're composting our food scraps, we're, yeah, we're not really using any single-use plastic. Um, so our, just the waste we produce in a week is probably a bag that size, if at all, like a tiny hand-sized bag probably um, and the rest gets composted or recycled um, and yeah I really love that it's it's really that being closer to nature in nature um, and also learning a bit more yeah what happens throughout the year like I've never really looked at at trees and I often even don't know what trees they are especially yes. the native ones but now we just realized oh the tree behind the house is a wattle a golden wattle and it just started blooming and flowering over the last two months um, and it's so beautiful and before that it was just a scrub and you didn't even realize what it yeah. was so yeah it's nice yeah having the time to appreciate nature and appreciate the even though we don't get them as so much in Queensland but the seasons um and the changes over time and even looking and seeing the moon like whoa look where the moon is in different spots (laughs) seeing being able to see the sky that's pretty impressive uh so you mentioned um that the water was a bit of a challenge what what have the other challenges been um in terms probably one thing um that you need to be aware of if you are in a more rural area, surrounded by bush, etc. Things are always dirty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you're just dragging in mud and soil and who knows what else. So like you're, you're cleaning the fo- floor several times a day. <laughs> and we haven't really found a way around that. But it's yeah. not I mean, it's not really a challenge. It's just like that. that's what it is. The con, yeah. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not too bad. Um I think, yeah, the biggest challenge, and we were talking about that before, was really about finding a, the right spot and actually even finding a spot. So that's probably what most people find the hardest. Mm. There's no regulations around it. And, yeah, if you've never done it before, you don't necessarily know what to look out for. Um, yeah, um, that, that's probably the major things. And actually the biggest challenge in this year was our builder finished two weeks ahead of time. 
Oh, that's like unheard of. Never happens, right? <laughs> what? Amazing. Who is Never. this guy? Everybody needs to know him. Wow. He's amazing. He's here on the sunny coast. LJM Carpentry. <laughs> we'll get the link. That would be great. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely uh, give you the link. He's been absolutely fantastic. He's also from the Northern Beaches. So, ah, see, there's, wow. there's all so much synergy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he finished ahead of time. Um, and we hadn't even found a spot yet. So we were like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And then in the end, it all worked out. So that was a good thing. But, yeah, I guess for anyone who's looking into going tiny, really have a think about where you can and want to park your tiny and, and probably sort that out early on um, just so you've got that peace of mind. <laughs> and was there any, in, like, incentive to travel more? Was it, was it going to help you with travel at all? Um, I guess, yeah, to some degree, for sure. It's just, I guess, the timing with COVID um, <laughs> makes traveling a lot harder. <laughs> um, so I think generally, yes. On the other hand side, I love my garden so much that I don't really want to leave it for too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we've been, we've been um, traveling last year when we could, um, driving up to Magnetic Island. Um, it's a decent two three day drive um but it was really worth beautiful doing. drive though mm, absolutely oh, great places to stop along the way at least <laughs> oh so many so many beautiful places and um i guess it's really just the, your overall cost by living in a tiny house is so much lower than if you're renting a regular house or even an apartment where we're paying or at this stage we're actually not even paying rent because we're helping on the property so if you wow. find a solution like that that makes a big difference and then we're not paying for power I mean, we did obviously in the setup, and that will yeah. take a few years <laughs> for it to actually but that's like recover what we spent. But exactly, yeah. Well, I mean, a house deposit though, and then you're still paying, you know, yeah. thousands each month. So yeah, exactly. you might be paying the same as a house deposit, but then you're never paying again, <laughs> or paying very yeah much um, a marginal amount. So you do get that um, flexibility. But you know, it must be clear that you're not traveling in the tiny house. That takes no. a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, a regular car can't move it because we've gone a bit longer. Ours is eight meters long, which is a bit over the average size, I guess, in Australia. They usually build to seven-ish meters um, because then it's easy to keep it under the four and a half ton um, limit. And even like if you were to use a regular car, you would you could only go up to three and a half tons anyway. And if you've got all your stuff in there, it's almost impossible. And a tiny house is also not, it's not built like a caravan, although it's movable. It's not built to be on the road all the time. Ours has a timber structure. Um, there's others who have steel frames and they're very sturdy. But if you go on the road and drag it on and off and over and over again, it's not going to help the structure, the structural soundness of the house at some point. And it's a, still a lot of effort to move it just because of its size. So if you want to travel get a caravan or a beautiful van and do that up or bus even yeah but a tiny house is, is good to be flexible but you wouldn't want to move it every few months you want to be in a spot for at least a year settle in ideally longer and then it's easier to move it off the property yeah which which is a good thing yeah. and you had to move it uh recently and and did you yes <laughs> just on the property but even then you said that was a big job yeah, we actually, we had to move it off, um, yeah, because we realized we were in a kind of biodiversity zone just inside. Um, and although no one had really said anything, the council, etc., we were just like, okay, it's probably better if we get out of that zone. 
And we moved the house literally 50 meters, <laughs> sideline, 50 meters. But still, the effort is the same. We got a tractor, the tractor moved the house. And unfortunately, we did it. It was last Saturday, which was probably the wettest day we've had yeah. in a month. And it had rained for the whole week. So we had a bit of a mud feast and, um, yeah, a few muddy challenges along the way. The house was fine. Moving the house was fine. But moving the water tanks, we got our car stuck and mud oh. everywhere. So it was interesting. So learning from that is do not move your house when it's wet. Okay, top tip, don't don't go move in your house in the mud. Um, oh, no, that's funny. And, it, you know, call back to we had an episode a few weeks ago with a, a farmer and so we were talking about tractors. So what colour was the tractor? Um, good question. What colour was the tractor? I, I think green. See, like, I had a photo uh, of John the, Deere green. I yes, think. see, that's what I in my mind was imagining. And even though I was on the tractor, I said green just because that's kind of the ones you know. <laughs> And then I'm like, it was red. Like, I don't know. Anyway, and I just have this new fascination with tractors now. They're just like super fun. Um, yeah. And then put a tiny house and a tractor together and I'm just like, oh, mind blown. So isn't it funny? I'll send you a couple of photos. Oh, yay. Well, we definitely have lots of photos. Um, tell us your Instagram as well, Yvonne. We'll put it in the show notes, but um, mm-hmm. you post a lot about it. So what was Yeah, I, I do. My Instagram is sustainability queen with an underscore between sustainability and queen. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, tiny house and sustainable living imagery. <laughs> it was so fascinating to watch. And you've given us quite a bit anyway, but what, what uh, any other tips or advice if somebody were going to live tiny? Mm, probably two things. So one is the living tiny. Um, it's really being very clear with yourself and really have a good thing about why you want to do it Mm. because people have different reasons like tiny houses can really solve some of the housing crisis especially up here on the sunny coast and across most of australia at the moment it's very hard to find affordable rentals um, because there's just nothing um, or it's just way too expensive Um, so from that perspective they could be an option but because they're not regulated yeah, it's a bit of a, a gray zone there. But um, I guess generally it's really about why do you want to do it? Do you want to live more sustainably? Do you want to live on the land? Do you want to travel more? Um, and then really understand is a tiny house on wheels really the right thing? They're very cool. They're cute. I love them. But is that really what you need and what makes your life easier? Or should it just be a small container um, or a, how, a tiny house on, on skids? Um, not wheeled so it counts as a, a secondary dwelling which yes. the tiny would not if it's movable yes. um, so like all these things keep that in mind and the other thing is really um, if you're using a builder and honestly we initially thought oh maybe we'll try do the whole thing ourselves can't be that hard in a way but as soon as you start getting your head around it you realize okay the structure needs to be sound and it just needs to work because this house should last for the next 30, 40, 50 years, ideally, right? Like a normal wow. house as you yeah. buy. So we we're like, okay, now nah, it's better to go with a builder. Um, but because it's not necessarily a very regulated building category, be really careful who you go with. Um, there have been, there has been one up here in Queensland um, who went bust in the end. Mm. And a lot of people didn't see their money, never got a house, um, paid him up front. Um, oh, very dodgy. So our builder is amazing. And then there's a fair few others who really 
really great, but really do your research, try and talk to their customers, get really hands-on feedback, really go to their um, factories and really see how they're working, how they're doing it, what the team is like, um, and just really make sure that that's a good fit. In, in a way, it's like with anything, if, if you were to build a house, you would be very, very thorough. Mm. So yeah, just do the same when you're trying to build a house or even want to buy one secondhand, be very thorough and do your checks. Well, I'm definitely be coming to you because our um, future <laughs> goal is that we would like to buy a property that's allowed to dwellings. So I've mm. already listened. We should probably go with the not wheels option because we'd love to have a second dwelling as a, as a guest house and not have people in our space. That would be our main yeah. reason. So yeah. <laughs> a guest mm -hmm. house. <laughs> and um, Perfect for that. Yeah, they're super cute. You see quite a few of them on Airbnb. And actually I stayed at mm. an Airbnb in uh, Dallas in Texas and in their driveway was one and so I think their regulations are completely different like it was mm. just in the driveway and I was like is that a tiny house and he said yes <laughs> I was like yeah we airbnb that one too and I was like damn it why am I in the big house I want to be in the tiny house <laughs> so I'm still yet I would love to come and see you actually I'm up oh damn you're not there um I'm you know I have to come and see yours because I've yeah. not actually been inside one so that will just Definitely. be just a dream oh, oh time it's really time for that yeah you're I know. more than welcome to visit us anytime. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I am. We won't, we won't open that to the entire um, group because I don't think we'll fit in the house. Um, but we'll get, all your, we'll get your links. And are you still connected with the um, communities? We might get some if there's some, if people were interested, some of the tiny house communities. Are you still connected hmm. with them? Yeah, sure. Um, we'll get it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a fair few Facebook groups. Um, yeah, I'll, 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 we'll share links. But also, if you just search for Tiny Houses Australia, there should be a fair few popping up. That's good. And, you and also, um, because you mentioned... Yeah, absolutely. Just one thing to add, because you mentioned the US series. Um, the other one I really love is Living Big in a Tiny House on YouTube. Okay, cool. Because um, Bryce is a Kiwi, so a lot of the house examples are more local Kiwi and Australian examples. Plus, he's, he used to travel a lot before COVID hit. So there's a lot of inspiration and it lacks a bit of that drama. <laughs> that have, so it's actually nice. What? American TV shows having drama? You're crazy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and just because this is a travel podcast, um, tell us one travel tip, and it doesn't have to be tiny house related. Travel tip. Hmm. Travel tip. I'd say do not overplan. Just experience it <laughs> and see what happens. Even even going overseas. Um, I, I guess a lot of people, especially if they're going to a country they've never been to or they might not speak the language, are probably just making sure everything will be fine and planning and planning and planning. But I traveled to Japan um, oh, three years ago. Um, and I just absolutely loved it. And I had kind of a plan, but I was kind of waiting and seeing how it in, develops. And I just loved every second of it. That was probably, yeah, my most favorite trip so far because of the food, the people, beautiful landscapes and just the craziness <laughs> of it as well. Yeah, that little bit of um, unknown and, and mm. that, um, you know, trying to figure things out. The uh, uh, One of our other guests, Kirsten, uh, Kirsten Pills, uh, she said it was that um, having the beginner's eye 
Mm. And, uh, you know, seeing the world fresh and new and trying to figure it all out. It's, uh, you know, yeah. and I'm experiencing that now with my son. It's really fun getting to <laughs> learn all over again. So, but remember, that is completely opposite advice to tiny houses. Tiny houses, plan, <laughs> travel, don't plan. <laughs> yeah, you can improvise with tiny houses as well, but not when it comes to the structure <laughs> and regulations, unfortunately. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very clear about those making those distinctions ah uh, danke schön it's been so wonderful to speak with you and i've absolutely loved following your journey it's uh, truly inspiring the the choices you're making to live sustainably is is remarkable like it's <laughs> your commitment is beautiful so thank you thank you so much emma i love being on your podcast thank you cheers <laughs> cheers <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Um, already looking forward to the next one. Uh, we also have a rather extensive back catalogue for you to check out. Um, but in the meantime, you can uh, follow us on Instagram. That's at Lovely Travels on Instagram. Or you can come and check us out on Facebook, Lovely Travels. That's L-O-V-E-L-L-Y. Or we would love for you to join our Facebook community uh, with more than 500 members talking all things travel and adventure. That's the Lovely Travels community. You can also visit our website, which is lovelytravels.com. Or shoot us an email. We love hearing from our listeners. So please send us an email, feedback, comments, questions, whatever. Info at lovelytravels.com. And you can listen, review, subscribe, like, share, and promote our podcast in any shape, way, or form. Uh, we are on Spotify, iTunes, the internet, uh, Google Podcasts, everywhere where you get podcasts, you will find us. All good podcasting locations. So That's tune in right. next time, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you then. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.